Jesus, you are the great disencumberer. You have released us from the burden of sin. You've released us from the weight of the law by fulfilling the law. You didn't throw it away. You fulfilled it. And you showed us what uh, love from, an, from a will inflamed with love really looks like because you gave yourself for us. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Lord, we walk from Thanksgiving into Christmas season, not focused on the stuff, but focused on the reality of your presence among us. Jesus, you, you gave up heaven for us. And then you loved us so much you gave yourself for us. And you loved heaven so much that you said, I'm taking you with me. And so we ask God, release heaven among us. Release the spirit of the living God among us. Promise of the scripture is that we have a teacher. The Holy Spirit will remind us of all the things that Jesus said. So Holy Spirit, come and remind us this morning. Focus our hearts. Draw our attention to yourself. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. We're uh, coming from Thanksgiving. Some of you, maybe like me, got home last night late and, you know, still trying to figure out what today is. Um, During Thanksgiving, it seems to me, we choose gratitude for what we have. We, we look and we choose gratitude for what we have. And we, we look around and we recognize that every good gift, I mean, this is for the believer. Well, it's for all, but the believer re- re- realizes it, that every good gift that we have comes from the Father in heaven. And we recognize at this point, as we move from Thanksgiving into the Advent season, which is all about waiting for the coming Messiah, even though he's already here. There's a strange thing we've got to deal with there. It's appropriate for us to move from giving thanks for what we've realized that we've been given to intentionally giving from what we have to others. It's a a natural progression to go from thank you, God, for what I have to, okay, God, now that you've given me all this, who do you want to bless through me? And the whole crux of the message this morning is that singular a biblical principle from beginning to end that we are blessed to be a blessing. It's not just a nice way to say it. It's a, it's a scriptural reality shown by Jesus and every follower of Jesus throughout history. That the blessing of God is never meant to just reside in one, as if we just bask in it until we, you know, get pickled in it. <laughs> there is the basking, basking, and maybe there's some of the pickling, but man, all that's got to go out. There's a, there's a way, there's a principle from beginning to end. We're blessed to be a blessing. When you think about giving, recognize as the believer, it is never payback. It is never payback. So just go, because if you ever think, oh man, we're going to talk about giving. Now I got to somehow give back to God in proportion to what he's given me. It can't be done. It can't be done. It's a God sized gift that he gave us and we're humans. But it's supernatural the way we do it. It's not payback. It's, it's uh, gratitude allowed to do its complete work. Think about giving like that. Giving is gratitude allowed to do its complete work. Because grace breeds grace, right? The grace of God breeds grace towards people. Paul said, I'm constrained by love. 
And so as a result of this love, I can't help but give it away. It's like I'm so gripped by this that I've got to give everything for it. Grace breeds grace. We, we get and then we give and we give and then we get more and then we give more and so on and so on until the endless reward of heaven is released. We're like in the in-between times, right? You've heard me talk about the, the theology of the kingdom. Jesus came once, he's coming again, and we live in between the times. So we get a picture of the heavenly reward, but we don't have it in its fullness yet. Every gift we have on earth is like a foretaste of heaven. But, but that's the principle of this life is grace breeds grace. We get, we give, and the more we give, the more we get. And this cycle ensues until the full reward of heaven is released, at which point there's no such thing as sacrifice, right? In heaven, like you just don't see any people in heaven saying, should I praise God today? I don't know if I've got the energy, right? (laughs) There's no lack. It never ends. And if we could get the heavenly mindset, the the concept that um, giving is not a zero-sum game for God. Right. It's not like there's one pie and everyone gets a piece and the, the less I get, the, the, you know, the more I get, the less you get, and etc. as if we have to compete. I'll never forget, Dave, I'm sorry, I just seen you there with a smiling face there. Dave and I were walking through a mall sometime. Hi, say hi to Dave. Hi, Dave. Dave's the most joyful person on the, on the earth next to Jesus. We were walking through the mall doing, I don't know, a, a treasure hunt. We were just looking for people to pray for. We ended up talking to some guy at a kiosk from the Middle East, and, you know, and uh, we're talking about gold or something, and, the, and, and Dave says to the guy, my father is very wealthy. <laughs> and the guy's eyes get real big. And Dave says, my father owns the cattle on a thousand hills. And you could just see him go, I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> But we ended up praying for the guy. I had a great conversation with the guy. I don't remember his name now. But I remember the joy of Dave saying, there is no lack in the kingdom. This is just all abundance, you know. So let's not go into a, a message on giving with, oh, steal myself, I'm ready. Or I'm going to muster, muster it up, you know. I'm going to be the greatest giver in the world. Jesus already did that. Pressure's off, right? So forget about all that. And yet, to only bask in what we have, even with a thankful heart, without giving from what we have in love and obedience, is to stop the cycle of divine generosity. I loved it when I wrote that, so I read it, I'm going to read it again. (laughs) To only bask in what we have, even with a thankful heart, without giving from what we have with a loving and obedient heart, is to stop the cycle of divine generosity. It's meant to be a cycle. Who would like to sign up to stop the cycle of divine generosity? No one. Who wants to stop the flow from heaven when heaven is meant to engulf earth with love? So that's what I want to talk about today. Psalm 67, I started with this for the three or four of you who were here at the beginning of the service. No condemnation. (laughs) Psalm 67, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us. That's the blessing that God commanded Aaron to give the people of Israel in Numbers 6, just so you, in case you wondered. He's just, the psalmist is just quoting the scripture right back to God. 
May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine on us so that, just for fun, everyone say, so that. Your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. Listen to this. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that... Thank you. So that all the ends of the earth will fear him. This is the cycle of divine generosity. It's not payback. It's not give out of guilt. It's us asking for the blessing of God, us receiving the blessing of God, God being praised in the midst of our abundance, and then us giving with the abundance of God. So many people will praise the Lord. So all the nations will learn to fear him. That's awe. That's reverence. That's respect. That's worship to Jesus. So that as our pockets are empty of divine blessing, he can fill them up all over again. That's the cycle of divine generosity. That's what giving is all about. This uh, psalm, Psalm 67, it's a psalm in connection with the harvest. It's asking for God, grace from God, blessing from God. You know, when he says, may your face shine upon us, you know what he's asking for? Just give us your presence. That's just Old Testament standard 101. Any time you see the face of God being mentioned, it's just give us your presence. It's the nearness of God. It's, it's what I, it's maybe just, maybe I, I got this much of it yesterday when we left my family in Pennsylvania. My parents are going away for a couple of months. I mean, they're going away for a couple of months and I won't see them. And when we were saying the goodbye, my dad and I are both very uncomfortable with emotional goodbyes. Because in my family, we don't do that. You know what that is? crying in front of others. <laughs> we don't do that. At least not my dad, you know. And I just felt his hug. I just felt his embrace. And um, he looked down on me and I saw his tears and I thought, wow, that's the face of love. And that's just this compared to how God feels about us. My dad's big, but God's bigger. <laughs> my dad loves me, but God loves more. And that's what it means when the psalmist says, let your face shine upon us. It's just divine fatherly blessing why is all that may god bless us still so that all the ends of the earth will fear him we're blessed to be a blessing it's not payback it's just living in concord with what god has already done a heart of generosity comes from a fatherly a god who is generous at his core he's a giver God's given to us so that we can be a blessing. And the more we give, the more we get. So the more we can give and be a blessing and be a blessing and be a blessing. So a question to ask this morning. And sometimes I have one scripture and three points. Today I basically have five scriptures and one point from every scripture. You're blessed to be a blessing. Now go to the Lord and ask, Lord, what, am I, what do you want me to do about it? No pressure. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. God, I've been blessed to be a blessing. What does blessing from God, through me, look like to others. Same principle, Genesis 12, 1 to 3. This is where God's establishing with Abraham the first covenant. I mean, this is a covenant between God and Abraham, between God and the people of Israel. This is like the big deal. Genesis 12, we're only 
12 chapters into anything (laughs) at this point. And this is what the scripture says. Some of it's up there. I'll read it in its entirety. Genesis 12, 1 to 3. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. Parentheses, he didn't know where it was. God didn't say, you know, move to Ohio. Go Bucks. <laughs> Ooh, that hurts. God said, go to the place I'll show you. And, and he expected Abraham to say yes before he knew where. I'm just pointing that out. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. And I will make you into a great nation. That's blessing. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great. The word means famous. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Through you. I've always uh, read Genesis 12. I mean, since my missionary and seminary days, I've always read it and thought about it and taught it as a missions verse. You know, we are blessed to be a blessing. The Abrahamic covenant. God gave to Abraham the knowledge of the Lord. And through that proper worship, he's supposed to spread that to all the nations. Every tribe, tongue, people, and nation that the Israelites encountered were meant to be blessed by God through Abraham and the tribes. Get it? It's, you know, I think of it so often as a missions verse. And they were blessed with the knowledge of God. But read Romans 4 and you see that all that Abraham had was from faith. And everything that he gave was a gift towards faith. Not law. Not we're going to earn it from God, but faith. So it is true that we are blessed with the gospel, the good news, so that we can give the good news. But this is deeper than evangelism. This is kingdom lifestyle at its core. This is kingdom lifestyle at its core. Not just I've got the gospel, I'm going to give the gospel, but I've got God and I'm going to give all. All. We're blessed to be a blessing. So a question, same point, another question. Lord, who is to be blessed by you through me? God, what does this mean about my my tithing? What does this mean about the way I offer my money to the church or other ministries? I'm blessed to be a blessing. What does this mean about how I relate to people in my neighborhood? What does this mean uh, to, to how I handle my daily mail? I'm not talking about that. Forget it. Daily mail. Right? When you get the requests, do you just toss them all? Easy to, isn't it? Or do you say, Lord, which is this for me? You the phone calls or the requests or your, your heart goes out to someone. You see something. You hear something. Don't just throw it all away. Don't, don't respond to it all. We can't, right? It'll kill us. But never forget to ask God, what does this mean for me? In what way have I been blessed so that I can be a blessing to others? Lord, who is to be blessed by you through me? And the real action verse in Genesis 12 is at the end of that. It says all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's the big picture God gives to Abraham. And the next verse is this. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. What did that look like when Abraham said to Sarah and the gang, we're moving. (laughs) Sarah said, where? And Abraham said, right. (laughs) 
<laughs> Talk about your conflict about directions between man and woman, you know. <laughs> we're going. Where are we going? Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> so Abraham went as the Lord had told him. When you pray the prayer, God, who do you want to bless through me? And the Lord speaks to you. More important than hearing is doing. You get the revelation and there's no action. The revelation just stops. But revelation with action means transformation somewhere in the world. What has God told you? Acts 20. We're now moving into the New Testament. And this is the Apostle Paul making one last sweep through the churches that he had planted And Paul's on his way in Acts 20 back to Jerusalem. He knows it's not going to end well. He knows his life will be demanded of him there. And that's already been prophesied. He knows exactly what he's going for. And he stops up off near uh, Ephesus. Miletus is the name of the, the port. And while he's there, just stopping off on his way to certain death, the elders at Ephesus come down to the port and greet him. I mean, just imagine this. This is like the last hurrah for the Apostle Paul. And the people in whom in whom's in whose lives Paul had poured out his life are now coming to say a final goodbye. And this is Paul speaking like his last message to the elders at Ephesus. And he says this. Now I'm turning you over to God. Our marvelous God, whose gracious word can make you into what he wants you to be and give you everything you could possibly need in this community of holy friends. I've never, as you all well know, had any taste for wealth or fashion. This is Paul talking. With these bare hands, I took care of my own basic needs and those who worked with me. In everything I've done, I've demonstrated to you how necessary it is to work on behalf of the weak and not exploit them. You'll not likely go wrong here if you keep remembering that our master said you're far happier giving than getting. It's the message paraphrase. You're far happier giving than getting. I could be wrong about this, but I think it's the only quote of Jesus that doesn't come out of Jesus' mouth. It's the only time in the New Testament where we hear Jesus said something, but it's just somebody else said he said it. But man, it's a powerful one, right? Paul, who says basically this, just remember this. It's more blessed. You're happier giving than receiving. The joy of heaven is giving. Not just getting, but giving. And that's how we enter into this kingdom economy, this cycle of divine generosity. And uh, I'll end with this from Luke 6, 37 to 38. This is Jesus speaking. He says, you must be compassionate just as your father is compassionate. Do not judge others and you'll not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will all come back against you. Forgive others and you'll be forgiven. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. That one's always messed with me. There's a cycle of generosity at work in the kingdom that begins and it ends with God. And for years, looking at this passage, 
because I'm, I'm altruistic to the core. I just want everything to be perfectly pure. I never want to give to get, right? You know where I'm headed with this? I mean, I just, I'm always nervous to say we give so that we can get. I'm happy to say we get so that we can give because that just feels so selfless. But I look at this passage, and this is Jesus speaking, give and you will receive. It's like he's speaking about the other side, the second half of divine generosity, the third half, (laughs) the third half of divine generosity. We get, we give, and then it's given again. He just says it clearly. Give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more. Running over, poured into your lap, the amount you give will determine the amount you get back. I've never wanted to preach that as the motivation for giving is getting. Because I wanted the motivation of every heart to be perfectly pure, completely selfless, as if the self doesn't exist at all. And, I mean, I'm heresy alert, ready? I think that's preposterous. I think maybe I've been preaching it wrong all along. Not incorrect, but incomplete. Right? Not not incorrect, but incomplete. Jesus didn't view it that way. So sure, Jesus said, come to me, die, take up your cross and follow me. But you never see Jesus commanding death without a reward attached to it. And I think for the longest time, I have been afraid of the prosperity gospel. I don't want to be touched by any of that. I never want to say you give to get. But if I don't complete the cycle of divine generosity, then we miss out on the heart of God. When we give, we get. And not just a little. Abundance. Pressed down, shaken together. How many of you have testimonies of overabundant blessing when you gave what you thought was sacrificially? We'll hear more of them next week. And you, you look back and you realize, oh, that wasn't sacrifice. That was bonus. I just didn't realize it in the moment because it took faith. Jesus said you only receive your life, your true life, when you give it away. What's the motivation? True life says the only path to eternal life is the road of death. You've got to let go of temporal life. Why? So you can get something better. So I just realized working on this message this week, I don't want to be more altruistic than Jesus. Like who wants to try to be holier than Jesus? He's holy enough. He's perfectly pure, which makes me think that Jesus' view of giving and receiving and the divine economy of giving and blessing is better more complete than my understanding of it. Jesus preached and practiced the giving of self for greater gain. Remember Jesus, uh, Hebrew 12, for, uh, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Sure, he endured the cross for the love of the people who needed the cross. But that wasn't all his love. Some of his love was was also to be poured into eternity. When Jesus says, when the scripture says, for the joy set before him, we're also the joy. 
Can you imagine Jesus on the cross? I think what he's saying is, I'm, I'm going to give this because they need it. But I know I get something out of this. I get my children for eternity. I mean, I, I might be messing some of you up. And for that, I'm extremely thankful. Because <laughs> we cannot preach less than what the scripture says. Jesus said, it's better for you if I go. Seems like a sacrifice. Why? Better for you if I go, because if I go to heaven, the Father sends the Holy Spirit. You get more of me. And the disciples thought, no, we need you, we need you. Not realizing that we're, they were letting go of a, of a divine human to get the divine presence in completeness. Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. So let's not cut the blessing, the blessing. <laughs> let's not cut the blessing in half. Let's not cut the blessing in half or stop the cycle of divine generosity. I mean, you know, you guys get to go and search the scriptures on your own. You have the Holy Spirit in you. I'm just giving it to you as I see it. And I realize that God's doing something in me. This is, I've preached half a message of giving in the past. And people have come to me consistently. And Randy, you don't, you don't teach the blessing of tithing. I'm like, ah, it makes me squeamish. I don't want to look like them. But you know what? I want to look like him. And this is how he taught it. Give and you'll receive. How? More. You want more? Give more. So you can get more. So you can give more. And then what happens? You get more. What happens then? Well, I think you'll give more. This is moving in a positive direction. I don't see anywhere in the Bible that giving is called for without the promise of overabundant reciprocal payback. Even look at those, those people of faith, the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. You know, so many of them, it says, and they didn't get what they were promised. Why? Because they were going after a better reward. Even when Paul talked about sacrifice in his life, it's in the context of overwhelming, never-ending future blessing. 2 Corinthians 4. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal weight of glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on, on, on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul is not saying, give it up here and you won't get much there. He's saying, quit focusing on the wrong reality. Quit thinking this is all there is. This is good. This is abundant. But abundance in heaven is like you've never seen, felt, heard, dreamed, experienced. And that's what we're living for. So I was praying for the church and for myself this morning. And my prayer was, God, save us from our short-sightedness with regard to the kingdom economy of Jesus. So some questions. God, what do I have? Where does it come from? To whom does what I have truly belong who has need of it? And God, in what specific way am I blessed to be a blessing? Let's pray. Lynn, will you come forward? Let's all stand. Our ministry time is going to be outward this morning. I'm going to give you a couple giving options as we launch our giving wall this morning. But I want you first and foremost to hear from God.
So let's pray. Holy Spirit, I trust you to take all those words and uh, plant truth deep in the heart of each person here at the vineyard this morning. Lord, you know what each needs to hear, and you are the great applier of truth. So Holy Spirit, do your work. We ask God that you would give us eyes to see hearts to embrace, minds to discern, hands and feet to walk out the kingdom economy of Jesus. Lord, you have blessed us, and for that we're grateful and thankful. And we live in abundance in one way or another. Lord, open our eyes and show us Who do you want to bless through us? Because we have been blessed to be a blessing. And now as we wait, just wait, Lord, for a moment in your presence. Holy Spirit, speak to us. So we'll take a minute and listen to the Lord. Put those questions before the Lord. As an individual, what have I been given? As a couple, as a family, as a friend, what have I been given? you see your your financial resources your home your things your relationships your spiritual gifts your natural albeit supernatural abilities God how do you want me to be a blessing with all that you've given me Lord, I ask that you would uh, release the spirit of faithful, joyful generosity upon us as a people. Lord, I want it. And I want it for us. And I want it for us as a church and for the church of Indianapolis. In the name of Jesus.